I speak to you in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last Sunday at the ordination service, Chris began the sermon by saying that it was a tradition on Trinity Sunday, if you have a curate, to ask the curate to preach, because Trinity Sunday is such a minefield of potential heresies. Aha, I thought at the time. Unless, of course, your curate is clever enough to arrange to be ordained on Trinity Sunday and to ask you to do the sermon. But my sense of cleverness, alas, was short-lived. The very next morning, I had an email from Chris telling me about another tradition, which is that the newly ordained priest preaches on the Sunday after their ordination. So here I am. I'm going to focus today on the gospel text, uh, uh, Jesus calling the, and commissioning the 12 disciples. It seems like an appropriate passage to reflect on as I begin a new phase of my vocational life, a new season of ministry amongst all of you as an Anglican priest. I was struck as I read the passage at the parallels between Jesus' instructions to the disciples, the mandate he gives them, and the description of the substance of my call as set out by Bishop Lynn at the ordination. Jesus instructs his disciples to go out to the lost sheep, those who are without a shepherd, without protection or guidance, those who are vulnerable, and to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, that the way the world is, is not the way that it has to be. It's not the way that God wants it to be. Jesus tells them to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Now, truth be told, I am um, greatly relieved that the list of, of, of duties I was given last Sunday did not include raising the dead. Uh, it's good. And yet, yet, in another way, the mandate given to me as a priest is incredibly daunting. I, too, am to proclaim the good news and to fashion my life in accordance with it. I'm not only to talk about God's vision for the world, for our life, for our relationships, and with each other and with creation. I am to live it out in my own life and then to show others how to do the same. I'm to love and serve the people amongst whom I work, all of you. And I am to care alike for young and old, for strong and weak, for rich and poor. I am to make no distinctions based on class or race or life circumstances. I am to declare forgiveness of sins, an awesome, astounding privilege and responsibility. I am to baptize and to preside at table at the Eucharist. And above all, I am to pray publicly and privately regularly and ceaselessly, asking that we might all be nourished by the riches of God's grace. It is, as I say, a daunting mandate and one that I cannot hope to accomplish without a, a steady stream of God's grace and your forbearance. It is a calling, as Chris pointed out last week, uh, at which I am bound to fail from time to time. But here's the thing. While there are specific tasks that are assigned to priests in our church, declaring forgiveness, offering a blessing, presiding at the sacraments, 
everything a priest does is done in the context of and in the service of a community of disciples. All of the things that were given to me as my mandate last Sunday are really given to all of us as disciples. And the biggest part of my role is to help all of you to respond to God's calling, to bring good news to those who are lost, those who have no guide, those who are vulnerable, to stand as witnesses to the world that the way the world looks right now is not the way it has to be. It's not the way it was meant to be. And to witness instead to the alternative vision of the kingdom of heaven, the way God intended the world to be, the way the world really is in God's eyes. Our task, our calling, our mandate is indeed truly daunting. Somebody pointed out to me last week that, you know, it was the first week in months that the coronavirus wasn't topping the news headlines. COVID-19 got displaced by stories that arose out of the pain of racial injustice. I think these two crises together say a lot about our world. They strip away our complacency, our ability to live within a cocoon of comfort, shielded from the desperate crises that have always been a way of life for our most vulnerable neighbors. Gospel tells us that when Jesus looked at the world of his day and saw people in crisis, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And his response is to send out the disciples to proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. In the story of the feeding of the 5,000, you remember the disciples are faced with this situation of overwhelming need. And they turn to Jesus, their rabbi, their leader, and implore him, to do something to make the problem go away, to take it off of their hands. They tell him, send the people out to the towns to buy their own food. Send them away. And Jesus says, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. So they gather up what little they have, and they bring it to Jesus, and in Jesus' hands it becomes enough. Jesus' response to the state of the world back then was to form a community that would tell the story of what God intended the world to be and then themselves to enact the vision, to live it out, to become themselves this community of compassion and care and healing and reconciliation. There are a lot of lost sheep people without protection, people who are vulnerable in our world today, right close to home as well. A lot of people who are harassed and helpless. We're contending now with a pandemic disease that is unprecedented in our lifetime, as well as with the demon of racism. And in the face of such overwhelming challenges, perhaps we too act like the disciples did. We want to implore our leaders in the church as well as our political leaders, to solve the problems on our behalf, to take things out of our hands. We want to sign petitions and and share posts on Facebook, hoping someone somewhere will do something. Jesus doesn't ask his disciples to find someone else 
to solve the problem, to heal what's broken, to feed the world's hungers. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. That does not mean that it's all up to us. We're disciples after all. We're not Jesus. We're not God. But it means we are to take what little we have trust that, and trust that when we put it in Jesus' hands, it will be enough. Because Jesus responds to the world today and to all of the crises we face is the same as it was back then to call into being a community of disciples who are willing to witness to the truth that the world as as it is, is not the way it has to be. It's not the way God intends it to be. And then as disciples of Jesus, to take our place alongside the most vulnerable, the harassed and the helpless, and to witness to them, to ourselves, and to all the world, that they too are made in the image and likeness of God. It is a daunting task, and one that we can only hope to accomplish with a steady stream of God's grace and one another's forbearance. As Chris said at the beginning, these are strange times for our church. We're deprived of the things that that are central to our life together, our Sunday worship, one another's company. And while no one would ever wish a crisis like COVID-19 to happen, while we are stuck in this situation, perhaps we can use this time as an opportunity to grow in our compassion, to reflect on what is at the heart of our life together as disciples, and to imagine new ways to be disciples in our time. Finally, As I enter into this new role amongst you as a priest, I ask you to pray for me that I may always be a good and faithful priest, that I may love and serve you well, even as I challenge all of us to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.